Thanks for joining us for this inspirational teaching by Pastor Jeffrey Smith, Senior Pastor of City of Life Church. For more information on City of Life, visit www.col.tv. Let's join the service already in progress. All right, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, and 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Since it's Memorial Day, the name of my message is Remember, Remember to Forget Yourself. Remember to Forget Yourself. I'll start out by reading 1 Corinthians 3, 21, all the way through 4, 7. It goes like this. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Brian Houston, Stephen Furtick, Carl Lentz, Gary Smith, Jeffrey Smith, Paul, Apollos, Cephas. He's saying no matter what leader it is, he says, the world or life or death, the present or the future, all are yours. And you are of Christ and Christ is of God. Basically he's saying as a Christian, Stop bragging about leaders. Which one is better? Your leader is better than this person. Your leader is better than that person. That's all rooted in pride. He's saying as a Christian, God has given you everything in this, in this life to be a blessing and a benefit to you. So stop arguing about which one is the best. He said, this then is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. He's saying, so as leaders, we're the ones who have to make sure that we're faithful because we're accountable to God. He says, I care very little if I'm judged by you or any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but even that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. Let me read that part one more time. Uh, He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. We will all stand before the Lord someday. We will all see the reasoning. It's not just what we did in life. It's why we did what we did when we stand before the Lord. If our heart is right, did we really do it for the glory? Did we really do it for the recognition personally? Or did we do it unto the Lord? Because nothing matters that we do. What matters is why we do what we do. That's essentially what Paul is saying. He says, at that time, each one will receive their praise from God. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one of us over against the other. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not. Once again, I'm going to talk to you about a message that is called Remember to Forget Yourself. Thank you, Jesus, for every person that is here today. We pray your favor and mercy would be in this service. I pray healing and restoration and peace for those that are here today that are broken in some way. Lord, I pray that the lost would be found today. Those that are far from you would know that you have never left their side and you love them and value them and gave your only son so that they could have complete salvation and restoration in you. Let me communicate this beautiful word of God, your, the, the precious Bible, the word of God in a way that honors you and does justice to the text so that people's hearts can be open and receive freedom and truth through your word. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen. So Paul is talking about ego. He's talking about pride. 
He's talking about the propensity that each of us have as human beings to live our lives from a place of pride. He even goes to the degree that we will compare everything against one another. We'll compare how great our leaders are compared to someone else. We'll compare how nice our house is compared to someone else. We'll compare how nice our outfits are compared to someone else. We'll compare how great our talent is compared to someone else. Specifically here, Paul is talking about people that are comparing leaders. Now, in in chapter 4, verse 6, he goes on to say, uh, Do not go beyond what is written, then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one of us over against the other. He uses a term here, the term puffed up. And it's interesting because most of the time in Scripture, when, when any New Testament writer is referring to pride, the, the, the word hubris is used, the concept of hubris of being arrogant and cocky and stuck up. Uh, that's sort of what we think about being arrogant and prideful. But Paul does not use that specific word. He uses a different word here, Phaseu is the word that he uses, and he uses it six times in Corinthians and one time in Colossians. And this is a different word for pride. It's a different word uh, for arrogance. It's a different word for being obsessed with yourself. He uses this word that means puffed up. It means overinflated or bloated. Now, you know what I think of? Have you ever, anyone have kids and your kids have ever asked you to blow up a balloon? Raise your hand if you've ever blown up some balloons now. When you blow up a balloon, you can get it to the point where it becomes overinflated. I don't know about you, but I have like an irrational fear of a balloon popping in my face. Like, I'm always afraid that I blow them up for Zoe and there are these little saggy things. She's like, Daddy, come on, do it more. I'm like, no, you do it. You let it blow up in your face. I know it's terrible. But like, I'm afraid. But that's exactly what pride is. Paul is saying we have to be very careful that we don't live our lives out of ego because ego causes us to live a bloated, overinflated kind of life. And when we live that bloated, overinflated kind of life, it is super dangerous because everything in our world exists only to continue inflating our pride. So I want to talk to you. I believe that Paul is referring to this ego, this prideful kind of life, and I believe that there are four aspects to living this kind of prideful life. I believe that pride is, number one, it's empty. Number two, it's painful. Number three, it's busy. And number four, it is fragile. I'm going to explain these in detail, but let me go over one more time. It's empty, one. Two, it's painful. Three, it's busy. Four, it is fragile. Okay, so it's empty. Let's imagine it, it, it tries to put us at the center of a space that was created to be filled by God alone. Pride tries to put us at the center of a space that was created to be filled by God alone. Can you imagine what an empty void that creates in our life when we try to fill the space of God with ourselves? Can you imagine the feeling of emptiness it creates? That's why when we live out of our pride and we're only trying to to cause our 
our world to be inflated and overinflated and continue to be puffed up. There's nothing but air inside. That's why we feel so empty in relationships. That's why we feel so empty with accomplishments. That's why we feel so empty when we get the promotion that we've been dreaming about. Or we get that big moment of life that we think everything is going to be fine. If I can just get the wedding that I've always dreamed about and it costs $10,000 because I know that I want to rent this place and we'll have these lights and we'll have this and we'll have that. That's why rarely does anyone after those big events feel deeply satisfied on the inside is because they've been living typically as human beings. We live out of pride with all these ambitions and dreams and these things that we think are gonna make us feel good. And once we get to that point, what it actually causes us to feel most of the time is more empty than we did before. What happens if you're used to getting 10 likes on Instagram? What happens if you post some dynamic picture that gets 100 likes? What happens? I mean, what happens for you is you probably go, I rule the world. Everyone loves me. This is the greatest moment of my life. Somebody commented on this that I have not seen since high school. They didn't, they didn't just like it. They commented on it. They commented on it. You feel so good. And what's happening is when you're living out of your ego, everything, it's just puffing everything up. You're just trying, it's that space that was created for God. You got to fill it with something. So even if it's just hot air, you're just pumping yourself up with every little thing possible to fill that space and fill that space. What's going to happen tomorrow when you post the burrito you're having for lunch? And only nine people like that. And no one comments on it. Because no one wants to see it. I promise you. Look at the person next to you say, no one wants to see your burrito. Just tell them. Nobody. There's not a burrito good enough to post on social media. I'm just telling you. <laughs> but are you, you're seeing how this works. That we are just so desperate to get pumped up from anything in life that, that causes us to be overinflated, that bloated kind of life that comes from living out of our ego. And when we live that way, self-satisfaction becomes our sole reason for living. We are desperate when we live out of our ego. We are desperate for that fix. We are desperate for that high We are desperate for that little affirmation we feel from the tiniest things, from people complimenting us or or telling us we did a good job on something when our life is all about our ego. We are just so desperate from affirmation that the right person commends us, the right person says hi to us, the right person recognizes us. Do we not see that living this way leads to constant disappointment? Why? Because pride, living out of pride is an empty life. Just like that balloon, you keep blowing up. You're not changing any of the physics of that balloon. All you're doing is adding a bunch of hot air to it. You're making it look bigger than it really is. And that's what we do when we live our life out of pride. So it's empty. The second thing pride is, is it's it's painful. It's a very painful kind of life. And it makes us aware of our deficiencies. And, And let me kind of explain how we can recognize this. Have you ever noticed that you have never just been walking around? Just you've never been walking around outside and going, you know what? 
My toes feel fantastic today. I mean, this, I've never felt my toes that have felt better. It's a great toe day. I'm just telling you, it's, it's amazing. There's no one that is sitting here in this room that has consciously thought to yourself during this message, my elbows feel good right now. Elbows are feeling great. It's the great, greatest elbow day I have ever had in my life. No one notices the way your elbows feel until you hit your elbow on something. Then you feel that demonic pain that was created by Lucifer himself. It is the worst pain in this world. Every cuss word probably goes through your mind. No matter if you're a Christian or not, you don't say them, but you think them. Oh, I'm telling you, when you, when you bump it, you think them. You say, what is happening to my body right now? It's the pain that I'm sure there are certain sins that you commit that, that when you go to hell, if you don't know Jesus, that God probably says, you know what, give them the elbow pain for eternity. That one pain. Why do they call this a funny bone? This is nothing, there's nothing funny about the way you feel. It's evil. It's the devil bone is what it should be called. It's a terrible, terrible feeling. But you don't notice your elbow until there's something wrong with your elbow. Actually, you really don't notice much anything about your body unless something is wrong. The feeling that you feel, unless something is wrong. It's the same way with our ego. People are constantly claiming that they're getting their feelings hurt. It's really not true. You're not getting your feelings hurt. God gave us our emotions to help govern us through life. We have love. We have uh, you know, forgiveness, kindness, compassion, joy, all these things. These things are not being hurt. What's actually being hurt and infringed upon is your ego. When people do something toward you, your ego gets infringed upon. And we say that our feelings are hurt, but the truth of it is our feelings are not getting hurt. Our ego is constantly being bruised because the ego is constantly drawing attention to itself. And that's why our ego is constantly speaking up when we're in a room and we don't get recognized. We're saying, oh, they recognize everyone else. No one said a single word to you. What is that? You're, it's, it's like hitting your elbow. You're feeling that feeling is your ego has been bruised. And you get that feeling on the inside. It's your ego that has been bruised. It's not your emotions. It's your ego. And, and oh, oh, really? They complimented everyone else and no one said anything about my new shoes. I just paid a lot of money for these shoes and no one said anything about my shoes. I'm so offended. Or how about this? They shook everyone else's hand and they did not shake my hand. Or, or, you know, I said happy birthday to this person on Facebook. I looked at their comments. They liked every single one except for mine. I was being nice to them. I'm never going to say happy birthday again. And we just get so offended. We just get so offended over things, right? Are you here today? Is this true? Is this just me? Am I the only one that this happens to? No? No? Okay. Maybe the people online, maybe, maybe you can relate. So start typing amen on there if you can relate and tell the truth in church. <laughs> our ego is, it's a painful way of living when we live out of our ego. We're constantly being hurt. That person hurt me. Well, they, they really probably hurt your ego because if you make this life about yourself, but you put yourself at the center of your own universe, then what happens? Everything revolves around you. And everything that happens that doesn't lift you up or doesn't build you up or make you feel recognized or validated is an infringement upon the religion that you've created for yourself of you. And, and it becomes an indictment against the religion that you've created about yourself. And that's, that's, what, that's where pride takes all of us if we go down that road. We've got to be so careful we don't live this empty life, this painful life. You know what else it is? It's busy. It's a busy, busy life. Pride is a busy thing. 
Pride is constantly comparing and constantly boasting. I love what C.S. Lewis said, says. C.S. Lewis says that pride takes no pleasure from having something. It only takes pleasure from having more of it than someone else or having something better than someone else. So we're not, it's not good enough for us to just have a, a nice outfit. We got to have a nicer outfit. We got to have a more expensive outfit. It's not, it's not okay for us to just have a good physique. We have to have a better physique or the best physique than everyone else. And, and pride is constantly busy. It's constantly comparing. Everyone you see goes through the filter of, well, how do they look compared to me? Or what do they have compared to what I have? Pride constantly puts you at the center of your own universe. You, ha- you can't have pleasure in just having something. You have to have more. You have to be better looking. You have to be richer. You have to be smarter. You have to be in better shape. It is just exhausting to live a prideful life. It's exhausting because everything that happens around you constantly comes back to you. The other thing that pride is, is it's fragile. And what I mean by that is, you know that feeling I was telling you about that I get scared when I'm holding a balloon that's overinflated. I'm afraid that it's going to pop. That's what happens when we live that prideful life. We know that our life is puffed up, as Paul said. That's the exact phrase he used, puffed up. We know our life is so puffed up with all this hot air and we are so afraid that we're gonna get exposed. We're so afraid that something is gonna pop. We're so afraid that something is gonna cause us to become deflated. And so we have this very fragile, no matter how we present ourselves, people can present themselves as super confident. Oh, they're so confident. I'm not afraid of anything. No, you're afraid. You're very afraid that you're gonna lose all the stuff that you have worked so hard to accumulate under your own power. See, a Christian should never feel that way because we realize that everything belongs to God. I didn't earn any of this. God gave everything to me. The devil didn't give it to me and the devil can't take it away. God gave me everything. We don't have to worry about losing everything because we know our everything is already in Jesus. But when you live your life out of pride and self-reliance, the kingdom you've built and the world you've built, you realize on the inside it can all come crashing down. And it's a very scary fragile life. There's the danger of being deflated. Now, this is where it gets interesting because pridefulness, C.S. Lewis calls pride, and I love this quote. I mangled it in the first service. I have no idea why because I know it very well, but he says that pride is the ruthless, sleepless, unsmiling concentration upon self. Think about that one more time. It is the ruthless, it will stop at nothing. Sleepless, it is a never-ending task to put yourself first. Unsmiling, serious business. There's nothing funny about it. Pride is me, me, me. Unsmiling concentration upon yourself. Paul is warning us about the trap of living out of pride. Why? Because pride is a serious business. Now here is, I told you, it's where it gets interesting, and I believe it is. Because we typically view people that are prideful as thinking of themselves as superior. Now I will say that is true. Pride takes the form of superiority many times, where we think we are better than other people. Whether we think that internally or whether we voice that externally. Some people are so arrogant that they think they're better than everyone else, they'll just say it. 
I mean, it, it's gross how deep it will go. It can go into things like racism or sexism or nationalism. People think they're better than someone because of the color of their skin. Some people think they're better than someone else because of their gender. Somebody thinks they're better than someone else because the country they were born in. They, they say, I don't care, black, white, whatever. If you're American, you're better than this person. See, it's, it's crazy how pride will take you to these places uh, of superiority. Some people feel better than other people because they think they're smarter than people. Some people be- feel better, literally better than other human beings because they're in shape and they're physically fit and some other people are not. They, they're sickened by people who do not look like they do or do not have the discipline that they have. Isn't it funny that pride rears itself in such ugly ways, in such gross ways when we allow it to get there? Superiority is a very gross kind of pride. But don't get fooled. Let's remember what C.S. Lewis said about pride. What is it? It's thinking about yourself all the time. Now, that's the obvious kind of pride that we're all aware of. But let's not forget about the other kind of pride, which is the pride of inferiority. Inferior. See, superiority is constantly fragile. It's afraid that it's going to be deflated. And it's thinking about me, me, me. What if my life gets deflated? What if I don't have as much as I had yesterday? But what inferiority actually is, is it also is obsessed with me, me, me. But it's a pride that has already been deflated. It has already lost everything. It already feels lower than everyone else. Think about the one person that is over here and says, I am intelligent. I am smart. I have the best wife. I have the best job. I have... Think about what does every one of those sentences start with? Okay, think about this person over here. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not attractive. I don't have the ability to communicate well. I don't have very much. What does every one of those sentences start with? No different, right? Two different expressions of the same thing. Both are obsessed with self. What is pride? It's the ruthless, sleepless, unsmiling concentration upon self. So what's happening is both of these people don't realize that they have blocked God out of their world. I love, I mean, obviously I'm quoting C.S. Lewis like a maniac over here. In the Screwtape Letters, phenomenal book where he writes from the perspective, don't get freaked out, it's a, it's a, it's a novel, but, but he writes from the perspective of a demon that has been observing humanity. So it's a really creative way that Basically, a demon is observing the way humans are, and he's writing a letter to take notes on how easy it is to trap people. It's a a theological, I mean, he's a great theologian. He had a great way of communicating. But in the book, in the letters, when when this demon is talking about people and the mistakes they make, he says this. He says, therefore, conceal from the patient, which the patient is the human, conceal, keep from the patient the true end of humility. Let him don't think of humility as self-forgetfulness, but as a certain kind of opinion, specifically a low opinion of their own talents and character. So what the demon is saying is don't let the person realize that true humility is forgetting about yourself. Actually let them be convinced that if they think lowly of themselves, that's what humility is. Humility is thinking, I'm no good. I'm not as good as this person. I'm not as pretty as this person. I'm not as talented as this person. No, what you don't realize is you've been caught in the biggest trap of all. You're just as prideful as anyone on the planet. You're just prideful in a different way because your whole world revolves around you. Scary. I don't want to live this way. I've lived this way so many times in my life. We can't be seduced by the pride of superiority, certainly not by the pride of inferiority. 
So what Paul does is he presents a transformed view of living. So he's sort of saying that we're all like this naturally, but then he presents this transformed view. I love this. And he says, I care very little if I'm judged by you or any other human court. So what he does is Paul recognizes that there's a, a sort of a trap out there of living based off of human approval. So he says, I don't care what a human court says about me. But see, the difference in what Paul says and what our culture currently says is it says, you shouldn't care what anyone else says about you. But what our current culture says is, all you should care about is that voice inside of you. What you say about yourself is the most important thing. Well, Paul blows that up too because he says, I don't care. He says, very little if I'm judged by you or any human court. Boom, he goes, I don't even care if I judge myself. Uh Uh-oh. He says, my conscience is clear. So he's talking about the way he feels on the inside. He says, but that's not what makes me innocent. So what Paul is presenting here is an idea that you don't live by the approval of man and you certainly don't live by that little inner voice that is on the inside of you telling you you should do this and you should do that based on your own mind and your own preferences. Paul says that's a trap as well. Paul recognizes the trap of approval. He also recognized the trap of personal pride. Paul's the very guy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. He says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came in this world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Paul calls himself the greatest sinner on the planet or the worst sinner on the planet. That's really what he says. He says, I am the worst sinner on the planet. Well, if you're sitting there going, well, I'm not, be careful, you might be. Be careful. If you don't think that you're the worst one, then you've missed something that Paul gets. What Paul is saying is, I've committed sins just like everyone else. I do things regularly that I am sorry for, that I can't control. He goes, he has a whole discourse on this, on how there's all these things that he wants to do that he can't do. See, what he realizes is he is the worst person in the world, but his sins and his identity are not connected. Paul does not connect his mistakes with his identity. Paul does not connect his identity with what people say about him. Paul does not connect his identity with what he says about himself. Paul only connects his identity to what God has to say about him. That is the only thing that can break us free from the trap of pride is when we are affirmed solely by who Jesus is in our life. Now that's the view. That is the view of of ourselves that is different. But how do you get that view? That's the question. How do you get that view? Not just by hearing somebody say it. Well, he says, my conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. So what's interesting is the word that he uses there for innocent is justified. It's actually a legal term. He says that my conscience doesn't make me innocent. It's the Lord who renders me righteous. That's what he says. The Lord is the one who judges me. And you know what he judges when he judges me? He judges me that I'm righteous. He judges me that I'm innocent. He judges me that I am free. Not based on my merits. Paul, why? Because Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. If God were to judge me on what I've done, I'd be up the creek. He's saying, but he doesn't judge me on what I've done. He judges me on the merits of Jesus. See, Christianity and specifically the gospel 
is the only place in the world where you get the verdict before the performance. You get the verdict before the performance. Jesus looks at my life before I have ever lived a single day and he goes, that kid right there, Jeffrey Smith, righteous. I render him righteous. But what's incredible about that righteous, that verdict that he has rendered on me, righteous, before I've ever done anything right, is Paul is saying the verdict actually leads to the performance. It precedes the performance, but it also leads to the performance. When he renders me righteous, I become righteous when I recognize that he has rendered me righteous and I no longer try to earn it out of what I can do. I begin to accept what he has done for me. He says, what do you have that you did not receive? you understand what he's saying? He's going, Gary Smith, you're a righteous man. You have been given grace. You've been given innocence, declared from heaven. It has been given to you. He's basically saying, why would you ever try to brag about anything in your life when everything good that you have has just been simply given to you? Doesn't that make sense? It makes sense to me saying, Jeff, why would you ever brag or try to act like you're better than anyone else when all the good that you have is something that was given to you as a gift? You didn't earn it. He's saying, so stop living out of your pride. We understand that pride is empty. That pride is painful. That pride is busy. Pride is fragile. It's a broken way of living that will only lead us to more and more heartache and more and more pain. So today, instead of trying to earn it all yourself, let's not just see a transformed view of ourselves. Let's have a transformed view of ourselves. And let's remember, once again, for the millionth time, C.S. Lewis says that if we were ever to speak to someone who lived a truly gospel-centric life, who was a true person of humility, the first thing we would notice about talking to them is how how much they listened to us, how much they made the conversation about us and not about them. Because the truly humble person is not a person who has a low view of themselves. It's just someone who doesn't think about themselves very much. They're too busy putting Jesus first. They're too busy putting people first. What happens is we don't have the ability to give anything to anyone else if we make our whole world about ourselves. But we make it Jesus first. Jesus always, then it can be people first, people always, giving first, giving always, loving first, loving always. It is only through that transition that we're able to get to that place. So I just encourage you, if you've been living out of your pride, if you've been living out of your ego today, join the club. We've all been at that point many times and we struggle with it every single day we wake up. But choose today to have a transformed view of your life and a transformed way of living your life. Jesus has already done it all for you. Don't allow, don't conflate your sins with your identity. Keep those things separate. And today recognize that your sins do not define your identity. Let Jesus' verdict of innocent and righteous determine your identity and who you are in Christ today. Amen. Bless you. We hope you enjoyed this teaching by Pastor Jeffrey Smith. You can be a part of what God is doing here at City of Life by clicking Give at www.col.tv or by texting a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. Thanks for joining us.